0: You're listening to the Podcast Network. Over 4 million steaming hot podcasts served since 2005. As the ladies from En Vogue said, free your mind and the rest will follow.
1: G'day, world. Two hundred and one. We're wow. in the we're in the third the third century, I guess. The third if 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 G'day, world episodes were like years. This would be uh, the third century of. No, is that right? Yeah, this would be this would be the third century. Yes. Um,
0: Starting the third one.
1: What do they call it now? It's not AD anymore. It's the third century uh, CE, Common Era. CE. Thank you very much, Brian Shearer. Brian mm. Shearer, my guest on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Brian is uh, one of the hosts of the new, the latest podcast on TPN, Comic Review Weekly. He's a comic book artist. Uh-huh. And we're going to talk about comics, and then we're going to segue, the natural segue, of course, as there is from from comics into free will and philosophy.
0: Because <laughs> it is such a natural bridge, you, straight into...
1: You can't think comics <laughs> without thinking free will and uh, in philosophy. So, um, welcome to the show, mate. Oh, thanks for having me. From Green... glad that I can...
0: Break the 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 two two hundred one barrier.
1: Yeah, yeah. I did the two hundredth episode of Good World last night. I'm still tired. It took me hours to do because I did a like a uh, a best of show. I Took bits of clips that I've done right. with various people over the year. And funnily enough, I just all of the best, all of the people that were on the best of show were Americans. What does that say uh-huh. about? It?
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe
1: you need to move to America. I spend most of my time <laughs> lampooning America, but uh, then when I do my best on show it's full of Americans.
0: Oh, well, you know. And your 201st show is an American. So, you know,
1: I don't know what that says. I know. It's a sad case. Now, uh, you ca- you're talking to us from Greensboro, North Carolina. Were you born and raised there? <clears throat> yeah, I was
0: born and raised in Greensboro, North Carolina.
1: You don't sound as, like... Southern, as I expect people from Greece. You
0: know, I don't know what happened When I was a a kid, I had a really Thick southern accent, and somewhere along The line, I lost it, and people now say Well, you sound like you're from Maryland
1: or somewhere I'm like, no, I, I've lived here my whole life But it uh, really wigs people Out around me. So I grew, I grew up in um, Country Queensland, which Is kind of like the uh, Our equivalent to the redneck south uh-huh. it's, it, it, But in Australia, the further north you go, the more Redneck it is, and um, uh-huh. So, and, they, and you can tell normally somebody who grew up in country Queensland, Australia, because they finish all the sentences going up. Oh, they don't have an American accent. They're like, it's a good day, eh? And they say, eh, hey, after everything, and they go, uh, so I went to this, I went down to the street the other day, and I bought a beer, and a jumped yeah. in the car, and, uh, then I went fishing. They gotcha. talk much slower. So it's, a,
0: it's an inflection thing, then.
1: Yeah, and but you know when I moved yeah. to, when I moved to the big smoke when I moved to Melbourne when I was seventeen I deliberately removed all traces of that from right. my. He started going down. Down. You know, just, that's just right. Just despite. And I dropped my voice about an octave. Oh, mate, listen. Right. Up. Uh, first of all, thanks for uh, joining TBN. As as you know from the discussions we had before and since then, um, I I've been looking for a comic. Show for almost since the get-go, and and uh, because I, you know, I'm, I've got this thing with comics. I grew up, I grew, I was born in 1970, so and I grew up reading comics, Mm -hmm. and then I don't know what age I stopped reading comics, but probably when I left home, I guess, or or when I hit my teens or something, and I started reading serious literature. Yeah. And then and then I spent years, like in my twenties, wanting to get back to comics, but not. Wanting to go, not wanting to be seen in a comic store, and then when I had my kids six years ago, as my kids have been getting older, I got twin boys, and they're uh, six now, and, and so it's been the greatest excuse to sort of get back right. into buying comics. <laughs> but I, and you know, I I've got this uh, feeling that comics aren't taken seriously by most people as as a form of serious literature and as an art form, and they really deserve. A hell of a lot more right. credit.
0: You know, it's uh, it depends on what part of the world you're in. In America, when you say comics, people think you mean Superman or Batman. The, the uh, comics is kind of synonymous, just as far as the the popular culture in America uh, with superheroes. But you know, superheroes are just one zon- genre of. Um, the whole art form or or method of communicating, which um, a lot of people call sequential art, which I I think is a a more broader term. Um, uh, But, you know, in Japan, um, the uh, the manga books or manga, however you want to pronounce it, are are huge. And actually, they're getting a lot of popularity in the States now uh, with younger readers, especially females. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. but, uh, you know, it's more socially acceptable in Japan. You're more likely to see a guy in a business suit, you know, on the bus reading reading a comic on the way to work. Uh, in France, I think they're a little more um, accepted as art and whatnot. But there's just a stigma in certain po- parts of the world, in certain cultures, where it's like, no, comic books are just, they're for kids. You know, they're just nonsense, insipid dialogue. And, and you know, a lot of them are. Um, you know, it's uh, a lot of the golden age stuff was. Kind of, kind of geared towards children, just light reading. But I think they've matured a lot in the last, well, you know, since the, the 60s and 70s, and especially now, where they deal with subjects that are a lot heavier, um, just a lot more detailed, a lot more um, adult than uh, than they have been in the past. Which. I, 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 but there's still just that ingrained, um, you know, stigma that comics are for kids, and you can't see anything serious through comics. You know, uh, so, somehow people think that, you know, somehow when you combine words and art can, together, they're somehow less than some other parts. Which, who knows why that is?
1: You know, it was a it was a major milestone, I guess, for me when uh, Christmas just gone. The the major present that my wife bought me was. The big hardcover large format collector's edition of the Hush series from Batman. Yes, recent Batman series, and it was, and I was chuffed because it's you know I wouldn't go out. I I just you know, I'm not in a cash flow <laughs> position right now where I can justify spending a hundred bucks on yeah <laughs> you know a hardcover comic, but it, it was uh, fabulous, and it was it's the artwork in it is amazing. The story's good. Probably you know not as good I thought as you know the Frank Miller's work on Batman, but it was good. It was an mm-hmm. engaging story, but the artwork and the presentation of it, it it's it's truly you know, it has to be appreciated as a brilliant piece of artwork. Yeah,
0: there's you know there are, are great artists in the industry right now, and yeah, and it's it's fascinating to me to watch how the art has changed over the years, just the standard uh by which comic books are made. You know in the 50s and the 60s, you know, and the thing about comics in the States with the superhero comics is, you know, it's, when you got Marvel and DC, those are a very corporate kind of, uh, uh, well, they are corporate entities where, you know, the, the it used to be, you never saw an artist's name on the cover. I mean, you look at old books, you don't have no idea who drew it, um, unless you're just very familiar with their style. But, you know, the artists and the inkers and Um, Well, there weren't really colorists Coloring was an afterthought But they were just cogs in the wheel But over the last, you know, 30 years or so um, There really has been a focus on the artists So now you have just, you know Well, I'm going to say superstar artists But, you know, superstar in comicdom is not really superstar But, um, you know, you just had the the big names Like your Adam Hughes um, Or your your Jim Lee who did Hush Um, um, You know, these guys are, are, you know Big time with Marvel and DC, and working on their own, you know, high-profile stuff. But uh, there really has been a um, a, a process of um, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Just they become the art has matured over the years, which is really and now I think we're just really at a a pinnacle of where the art is just really top-notch.
1: And it's not just the art; it's this. I mean, the storylines and and oh yeah, yeah, it's the whole package. For me, in particular, and I know this is probably uh, there's probably better examples for people who know more about the industry than I do. But the the Frank Miller Dark Knight series, mm-hmm. and I only read those a, f- a couple of years ago, you know, and and to me, it was just amazing what he did with the the level of complexity in the mm-hmm. Batman and Superman. And one of the other things that I've been thinking about a lot over the last five years or so, because I guess in the intervening period between my teen years and my adult years, I read a lot of the classics. I went back and I I studied a lot of Joseph Campbell's work on mythology and I read the Iliad and the Odyssey and mm-hmm. I dipped into the well of human mythology. And then when you come back to superhero stories and you realize that... They have been the mythology for our generation. Mm-hmm. A combination of those and films, you know. Obviously, Star Wars yeah. being the classic example. And then it, yeah, it, 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 having a mythology is important, and particularly, you know, in the last fifty years in the West, when we've become a lot more secular as a society, you know, we don't we don't really have those stories that get passed on from generation to generation that teach us. You know uh, about character, about morals, about uh, bravery, about you know man against the odds. We we sort of, I guess we've had John Wayne and then Rambo, maybe Schwarzenegger. Uh. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, and that's uh, yeah, comics is definitely the story wise, the subject matter. It's definitely matured a lot. Um, I think these days, if you look into something like. Um, the, the theme with comics now, especially with Marvel and DC, I don't know how much you've, you're aware of what Marvel and DC has been doing. Marvel right now is doing a, a big thing called Civil War, where essentially what they've done is they've... Well, I think they decided that the, the Marvel Universe, everybody was on you know too good of terms with each other. So what they did was um, to restore a little more conflict and character development, they, uh, they decided, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come up with a situation where... Uh, superheroes are going to have to register with the government because you just can't have that kind of power out there unchecked. And so you've got two factions where, you know, one one group is going to, of uh, superheroes agrees, yes, we need to figure out uh, every superhero needs to have their real name and who they are and everything registered and be endorsed by the government, whereas the the other faction, no, that's that's not what's best for society. You know, it's best that if we don't know, for our you know our protection, our family's protection, and just we function better this way. So basically, you have you know Iron Man in one corner, who's, who's yeah, we need to register with the government. And if you don't, we're gonna lock you in another dimension. And then you have on the other hand Captain America, who's you know traditional superhero and you've got these two factions pitted against each other and i think what you know they've really tapped into a lot of i think the the political um polarization that's really going on here in the states uh and they're kind of there's really a parallel with that um dc has uh, done their infinite crisis where they've you know Gone is the reasoning I think I've heard was they want to go as dark as possible before they make things lighter. Because comics, especially DC, has been really, really dark and gritty over the years. And that's been one of the criticisms of DC. And they say, well, we're going to get away from that and go to a, a little lighter universe, but so far that that hasn't happened yet. They're still pretty pretty grim and gritty. But uh, um, and, and you know, it's one of my and I say this on the podcast a lot. One of my my pet peeves with comic stories is that you know I, I'm all for the the, the, the deep um, meaningful story, but it, I, I think one of the pitfalls people are falling into is that they're they're doing stories with. Jumping on the grim gritty ba- bandwagon for the sake of grim and gritty itself, uh, without necessarily trying to address, uh, address those things like, you know, um, more more positive, like virtue or character or whatever. Uh, some titles. And I see this a lot as an independent artist. If you go around to some cons, I was at a con a couple of years ago, and um, you know, I do I do a book called Gravy Boy, which is a very light. I mean, it's about a kid who can manipulate gravy. I mean, how deep and dark can it be? <laughs> um, but you know, and people came up to us and they're like, "Man, this is an awesome." And I don't know if you've if you know the premise. Our premise is basically, you know, there's this kid who gets the destiny. Um. To be the world's greatest superhero. And he's supposed to get the power uh, from this, you know, this cosmological being to, to manipulate uh, gravity at will. And that's his power to fill his destiny. So he gets two things he gets destiny, he gets power. Well, through a mistake, instead of getting the power to manipulate gravity, he gets the power to manipulate gravy. But his destiny's the same, he just has the wrong power. So you've got this goofy kind of, you know, right hero, wrong power situation. And people came up to it like, well, we love this idea. And I think one of the reasons it stood out was a lot of independent artists seemed to be – jumping on the the grim gritty bandwagon where well this is how a comic is made comics have to be comics that are popular now and are good are, are dark and stuff and they just some of them have headed in such a dark direction that it's just like why do i want to read this if i want grim and gritty you know or dark and depressing i'll i'll put on all the news channels and sit there all day till my brain turns to mush you know uh, i i think there's just a, a you have to strike for a good story a balance between you know reality and doing something meaningful which means introducing some dark elements every now and then or you know that's that's part of storytelling but also not forgetting that I think in, in order for a story to really be um, uh, successful it really needs to have a re- at some point of some redeeming quality otherwise it's just oh I don't know it's just why <laughs> maybe that's just my you know it's just my personal taste but I, I just don't you know it's just something I can't stomach very well
1: shouldn't comics be the same as all other forms of art or literature, though. I mean, it's it's a big big world of comics. You can have your light comics and you can have your darker comics. And uh, I mean, I guess an interesting thing from yeah. the the DC and Marvel universes is they obviously have multiple parallel titles about the same characters running all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, I, that's that's true.
0: Um, there is room, and I guess, and I guess uh, you know having yeah i don 't know how things are you 're not going to speak from from the states but d c and Marvel have the state the, the, the north American comics industry sewn up i mean it is theirs um, there is one distributor for comic books based essentially in the in uh, north america that 's uh, diamond uh, d c and Marvel have a contract with them that they're the, that 's the only distributor that will distribute them so if you 're a comic shop owner and you're gonna, you 're going to obviously order d c and Marvel books uh, you're going to order from Diamond not go to a bunch of different distributors so it, Diamond kind of has a monopoly on things which has kind of made the industry uh, since DC and Marvel are really really dark and kind of heavy and serious right now that's kind of set the entire tone for, uh, for comic dumb in general when you you know you go into the comic shop and you just push book off the shelf it's just chances are nine times out of ten it's just going to be something really really dark and serious it's like where are the fun books where are the where are the books where i don't have to go back and and know what happened 16 issues ago or you know i was i was getting an amazing spider-man i was reading it pretty regularly and when civil war happened suddenly i have no idea what's going on because it's suddenly you have to get all the other books to really follow it or you have to read civil war like i'm like why why, why is this happening? What happened to that character? And they referenced this and that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to invest that much time. I mean, I read a lot of books, but I don't want to spend all my time doing research, you know, when I've been faithfully reading the book for so long. Uh, so, you know, it's really, I think, part of the the, the influence and the um, the ownership that DC and Marvel have over, over the industry right now is really whatever they do sets the tone for comics. So it's, it's you know, you really get the feel that things are just really serious, really dark right now. And, uh, you know, I just long for for a good book that won't make me cry <laughs> at night.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I when I go into a comic show now, I would like to buy... A superhero comic for my kids, and the sort of mm-hmm. stuff I'm going to read to my kids at the age of six is going to be very different from the yeah. stuff that I want to read for my own stimulation and enjoyment, right? So, but yeah, absolutely. So, there should be, you know, titles that are lighter and, and emphasize, you know, the goodness of superheroes, I guess, is what I want to read to my kids. Yeah. And for my kids, I'm looking for good stories about, you know, being brave and standing up for principles and rights, and all right. I want to communicate those sorts of. Things to them in a format that's fun and, and exciting for them. For myself, I'm more interested in you know the complexities of like the Civil War stuff, yeah. which I haven't got into because I I kind of like to wait to see those things finish before I get into them. Um, <laughs> wait for the trade, man. Wait for the trade paperback. Yeah. <laughs> now, a um, couple of there's a whole bunch of things in your that rant that I want to touch on. Um, let's I'll try and remember them all as we go through. <laughs> One is the idea of retcon. Now, mm-hmm. explain for people who are unfamiliar with the world of comics what retcon is and, and how that affects comics. You were talking about how you were reading Spider-Man, it was going down one direction and then Civil War came along and it, you know.
0: Yeah, well, retcon, and the Spider-Man example isn't a true example no, of No, I retcon, guess not. Um, but, but when retcon, retcon is, um, uh, for example, uh, when Superman came out, he couldn't fly. He could leap great distances and... um. Run really fast, but he wasn't the same all-powerful character that 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 you got, you know, later that we're all familiar with. And as the years went on, and you had different creative teams come on board with DC and Marvel, which is something that happens a lot. on um, The creative they'll switch things up, you know, whether to generate press or just because they, you know, somebody moves on. And what you had happening was writers reinventing S- Superman. You know, and they're you know they're trying to do whatever sells. It's a business, blah blah blah. But eventually, in the '80s, what you had was you had all these different versions of Superman. So they said, okay, we need to to figure out how to reconcile this all into one story, and that essentially gave birth to Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they they went back and said, okay, the original Superman. Uh, took place on, I uh, think it was like Earth 2, which is a parallel dimension and the, all these, all the different origins happened in another dimension, and then you had this story where in you know, all the dimensions basically they were going to destroy all the dimensions or combine them all into one I, and I have to confess, which is, I guess is my shame as a fanboy I've never read Crisis on Infinite Earth but I, I know what it is um, basically they, they reimagined the, the origin to where we had one true origin of Superman and all the characters now, what's happened since then, they've gone off in different directions. So, again, with Crisis on Infinite Earth, they've had to revisit that. But retconning is essentially when you, you try to retroactively change the continuity of a character's life or reinvent a character by introducing a new event that totally disregards everything that's come before it or, or tries to change it. And, you know, it. It's an interesting idea for storytelling, but in comics, it's done to the point where it's it's a cliche and it's kind of maddening because you get to the point where okay, I know such and such dies, but nobody stays dead in comics because they're just going to retcon it or bring him back to life or this is going to happen, but it doesn't matter because it's going to be retcon. So, I and mean, that's a really big criticism I think of the comics industry right now.
1: It's interesting. I was um, I was listening to another comics podcast. Uh, meanwhile, the comics podcast. I remember last mm-hmm. year after the after X Men three came out, and uh, and uh, oh no, maybe it was after X Men two. Anyway, I remember the, I remember the host talking saying like he took his girlfriend along, and there's the bit where um, Jean Grey dies. And and yeah. his girlfriend said, is is she really dead? And he said something like, well, you have to understand that in the world of, in the comics universe, death is a somewhat plastic concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No uh, and, um, Yeah, go ahead. So I guess this was going to be one of my questions. This is one of the questions I, I've wanted to understand for a long time. I mean, okay, so for people coming into comics, like people who are like me, who either have never read comics or and I'm talking about the big Marvel DC titles here because I guess that's mm-hmm. the easy entry point for most people right. into comics you're familiar with the premise if if you're coming in fresh or you've had a break for 20 years how do you know where to go there's so much continuity that's co- almost assumed I find myself sometimes is those I'll be reading a comic and they'll talk about something like you should know what happens and they always have this thing see <laughs> yeah. issue 136 I'm like yeah, yeah like how do I do that idiot <laughs> now obviously in these days it's okay because you just jump into Wikipedia and you You're go right. oh, who's this guy and it you know somebody's gone into, and written a yeah. four page you know backstory for you and then your boss walks
0: up behind you and is like, what are you looking at?
1: I am <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, my boss. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, bless you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the good thing about getting into comics these days is that they've begun p- compiling things into trade paperbacks and graphic novels. So if you want to catch up with, say, what happened in the Silver Age or the Golden Age, or you know, which is just, you know, I don't know how much people would be aware. Of the Golden Age is, gosh, I don't remember the dates, but you know that when Superman, and the Super years first came out, it's considered the Golden Age. The Silver Age is the 60s, uh, gosh, maybe 70s. Um, I'm not up on my Golden Silver Age stuff, but they're compiling all that into to collections. So. You can get something like if you want to read Spider Man, you want to know, you know, how it began or whatever. Uh, you can go back and get, okay, the essential Spider Man number one, or, or just go into a comic shop and say, okay, I want to know, I want to know the story of Spider Man. Give me a graphic novel or trade paperback that I can start from the beginning. And, and, um, in some books, they've actually started reimagining, like with Spider Man, they've done something real. One of my favorite books is Ultimate Spider Man, which basically retells the entire stories spider-man set in the present day how he gets his powers blah 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 and it's been consistent and very good it's compiled in trade paperbacks if anybody wants to go understand spider-man i would say start with ultimate spider-man but you can go into a store and just start just pick up some of the trade paperbacks that's going to contain a complete storyline so it can be really maddening to you know jump in issue by issue because if you do that you know you're just going to have to you're going to have to do some research to figure out what's going on, and even with the trade, the trade, you might have to do a little. But if you get a good one that starts at the beginning of a story, or especially the origin of a character, then then you should be okay.
1: Are there any good uh, sites where people can sort of get an entry point? Like, what I'd love to see is a site that said, okay, uh, if you if you Want to read about, if you want to get into Superman, here are the ones to go get. If you want to get into Batman, here's where you start. If you want to get into the X-Men, here's where you start. Fantastic Four, etc.
0: Yeah, you know, I think with that, all you got to do is find a good comics message board, like Comic Book Resources or, um, oh gosh, what's another one? ComicBookResources.com is a huge one. But if you go to a good comic website that, that just has a forum that looks like it has a lot of people, go in there and type. I want to get into Superman. Where should I start? And you will have people will let you know. But the, after a while of reading it, some people will, you know, there'll, there'll be some consistency consistency in the answers where people, you know, you'll start to get a feel. Of people saying, "Well, you need to go here, read this or that." So really, just just go on a website and ask ask some people. Um, people
1: are too scared of looking like noobs, though, to do that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, you know. I, you could go to uh, let's see
1: um, you know what good podcast series in that mate it you know get that note to self yeah superman As 101 actually, I'm writing that down right batman now batman 101 Spider-Man 101 here's the backstory the 101 series yeah here's the backstory here's you know the key issues that you should you should go and invest in because they are you know they they're, they're uh, the most well-received by audiences or they were, you know, they were like, you know, Dark Knight series was, you know, mm-hmm. critical in terms of the reimagining of comics in the 80s and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I reckon well, good podcast series on that. Well, then I, I would change my
0: answer to comicreview.thepodcastnetwork.com <laughs> in a couple weeks. In a couple <laughs> That's weeks. That's where you need to go. <laughs>
1: now, um, one of the other things I want to ask you was about, um, online comics. now, yeah. it seems obvious that you were talking about the sort of stranglehold that DC and Marvel have. It seems obvious that the net just should that should be one of the things that the net should be best at breaking down. It's a you know a beautiful way for distributing uh, print and and digital work mm-hmm. now. Is that starting to happen? Are there good sites to go to for you know getting online comics that are of a high quality?
0: Yeah, you know, I just got back from a con that where the, most of the artists were um, web comic artists, and we do a, a weekly web comic, so you know, we we kind of fit in there. Um, and, and this actually came up that Wikipedia does not allow web comic entries; they delete them because they say it's it's of no importance or not enough. Um, oh, what's the term they use? Um, oh, what's the, um, it, it's just irrelevant. It's not popular enough or not well known enough. Um, Fascists. And, yeah, so you know, that was that was you know Jimmy Wiles is a the fascist. <laughs> they uh, so you know there are some web comics. There are some really hugely successful ones. Um, Penny Arcade is one that has done phenomenal. Um, Scott Kurtz's PvP, <clears throat> excuse me, um, has really taken off. Um, there are there are people who have emerged on the internet just as the web comic. Uh, I, don't know, I I don't want to say gurus or, or but they've sort of emerged on top of popularity and whatnot, and they've kind of taken it upon themselves to to lead the way. Um, a lot of people don't like that, um, just because there's I, I I can't count how many web comic artist dramas there have been where oh something started between you know, Scott Kurtz and so and so, or something started between you know it's just it, it's it's a very very new new realm. Um, I mean I was it seems like really only in the last gosh since maybe two thousand one or two I mean it's been very slow that that web comics have really started to take off, and so you've now got all these people kind of you know w- w- what is the right way to do it and you know, there you have people saying if you want to make web comics, you have to make them this way, and other people say, no, it's the net, you don't have to do it anyway and so you you've really got this these these ideologies just conflicting, but um there are hugely successful web comics out there, and the thing is that it seems like a lot of the audiences don't necessarily cross with the print comics. Um, is, some people are more likely to go online and read a, a, a comic strip every day, but they're not going to go buy a print comic. Um, and, and, and I think as far as distributing like your tradition, taking a, a story meant for traditional comics and distributing them online has been, <clears throat> has been I, it hasn't been hugely successful, I think, just because the people who buy comics want to hold comics. Um and it it's just it's been very hard to I, and I honestly can't think of a single comic that's just exploded um that that you know kind of meant for print but just kind of took off on the internet um it just seems right now that they're in two different worlds and two different audiences um and and that you know in time will that change uh, probably um I just don't see right now there doesn't seem to be any resolution in sight or you know, saying that well the, oh, the internet's gonna is going to open huge doors and it's... It, know, if the internet has opened huge doors for anything, it's been for publicity for the small guy.
1: The, the crazy thing about that, from my perspective, is, uh, you know, a lot of the traditional print comics that I've read in the last five years have been CBRs that I've downloaded and... and mm-hmm. and really? ...watched Yeah, all. This is, for people who don't, there's a great piece of software, comic book reader, I think. Yeah. Uh, and you, the, the people basically scan comic books and, mm-hmm. and they come out very high res and you read them in this reader and it's like reading a pdf i guess but it's a, a right. comic and uh, you know i've got lots of the big series on cbrs because um I, you know it's like music you know i don't know what i'm gonna right, like what right. i'm not gonna like and i sample it on that and then yeah if i like it i'll go get you know i've, I've bought a lot of uh mm-hmm. hard, cover, hard copy stuff as well but Right. To me, yeah. you know, particularly, you know, in the, in the era of you know, twenty-one inch flat screen monitors and stuff like that, mm-hmm. being able to read a comic in a digital format is uh, is wonderful.
0: Yeah, and, and it is, and like, it's really good to get. It's not that people traditional comic fans just won't read comics over the internet. It's just it. It really, I guess, for the traditional comic fan, there's just something about holding the book in your hand. That 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 they like. Um, it's
1: funny. That's what people say about print too. Whenever the ebook discussion comes up, oh, you're right. never going to replace the form factor. And and I, you know, I, I think it's the same when I have this argument with people in the the newspaper business. They say, oh, you know, mm-hmm. people are never going to get rid of newspapers. And I think they're right until there's a digital form factor that's as. I mean, you can't take your laptop. Well, I do, but right. you, you yeah, won't I take agree. your laptop into the toilet to read like you would a comic yeah. or <laughs> on the train or you know something like that.
0: Yeah, I, it's just I don't know what that's going to look like when when the technology gets to such where comics or other print media just you know well it's just an, a, a seamless transition like hey more people are just like why wouldn't you just read it on this instead of the book I, I just don't know what that would look like um, but yeah. I mean eventually what it, I mean you know I think it's as newer generations come up that are just more and more just saturated from birth in the technology. Those will probably be the generations that will that will completely make the transition. You know, old crusty people like us will <laughs> banter back and forth. So,
1: one of one of the um, arguments for comics as a communication medium that I like is that you know if you compare it to other forms of popular media, television or film, other forms of visual popular media, if you want to tackle. A current issue, let's say the uh, America's uh, completely illegal invasion of uh, a sovereign nation such as Iraq, Uh, just get my plug in there. Uh, (laughs) You know, you can, in theory, write and illustrate a comic that deals with the subject a lot faster than you can make a film out of it. Now, the Mm -hmm. impact isn't going to be the same as a film, obviously, but. Right. You know, there, there does seem to be a big opportunity for comics to play, uh, you know, I guess Doonesbury is a good example of, you know, a, a comic which plays a significant role in terms of social criticism. Yeah. And yeah, the well, speed know, that you can turn these things around, and, and the cost, I guess, of turning them around is the other uh, mm-hmm. thing that I'm thinking about. They're, they're much cheaper and faster to get out there and make a point with than you can with the other visual mediums yeah. that uh, that are prevalent in our society.
0: Yeah, well, you you know, comics is – people have been making, you know, points about issues and stuff through comics for, you know – Yeah. I mean, they've been around since hieroglyphics, uh, (laughs) but um, people wouldn't call hieroglyphics comics. But, you know, Scott McCloud has a great book called Understanding Comics. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, I've I've
1: got that as a CBR. Yeah. No, it's a PDF, I think, Uh, actually. Yeah, he and you
0: know he argues that if you define comics just more as sequ- uh, you know um, sequential art, and he actually has a, a more specific definition that I can't think of off the top of my head, but um, y- you know the people have been communicating this way for thousands of years. Um, and you can get a message out in a, in a, through comics. It's not going to have the same impact as like through a, a movie or, or or whatnot. But comics has a and sequential art has a way of communicating that's unique all to its own. Um, and you know he argues that that the way of reading comics it, it is a language, um, and, and it's actually. It, it's a specific language that you kind of learn how to read and, and therefore it kind of has its own, you, know, you get it meaning in its own specific way. Um, I think it's kind of funny, Marty tells me that um, and for those of you who don't know, Marty is one of the co-hosts on Comic Review Weekly um, his wife can't read comics because she can't uh, from panel to panel the, it's like the time progression doesn't really pick up with her, like she can't, can't really sometimes pick up on what's happening and I think that's, I, I think that's kind of fascinating because it really kind of shows that, you know, comics really is a, a sort of language that 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 uh, um, communicates in a specific way. So, and I think, it, I don't think it's a matter of, well, some people might say, well, a movie would do this better. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily better, as if it's just a different way of saying it. And and you know, you can get things out through comics that you can't do in movies, uh, because it requires, you know it requires to a large extent the reader to participate in the information to 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 um, you're constantly filling in the blanks and your 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 mind is working to you know uh, whether it's just the action or the meaning that you're getting from images, and so and I think it, it, it is a actually a more, in some respects, engaging um, or, or active form of communication than a passive form than say just sitting in front of the TV, um, which I don't I don't necessarily think that sitting in front of the TV has to be a, a passive thing. But um, no, I, I agree. I, I think the comics is a, a, a good medium for getting out those ideas.
1: So let's talk about some of the other comics. Um, obviously, we've uh, we've talked a little bit about DC and Marvel, the the big superhero titles. You did a you did a great uh, interview just recently on Comic Review Weekly with Mark Sparaccio. Is that how he pronounces Sparacio. it? Sparacio. Sparacio. That's right. Yeah. Who's a um, you know a, a very uh, up and coming sort of uh, artist now, isn't he? He's mm-hmm. doing very well. But he was talking about. Uh, being taught by Will Eisner. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, I know a little bit about who Will Eisner is. I've read some of his stuff. I mean, guys like Will Eisner and, I guess, R. Crumb took comics in uh, different directions, didn't they? There's this whole right. subculture or alternative culture for comics that are not about superheroes at all, but about real people facing the challenges mm-hmm. of life. Is is that growing in popularity, do you think, that genre of comics?
0: Um I think among independent comics that is actually I think growing and it is a large part um a lot of people really really like semi autobiographical comics for some reason or the slice of life stuff where you know some of the most fascinating um comics I've read online are comics where you know people have just kind of captured a moment in their day and done a comic about it, and, and done that day after day. And there's guys that have done that for years, and have compiled books where you just got this slice of their life, which is absolutely fascinating. Um, and uh, you know, you've got people who you kind of take their life. And uh, we interviewed, uh, I think our latest interviews with uh, um, a <clears throat> a girl named Jenny Breeden, who's been doing her autobiographical comic for a couple of years now, which is hugely successful. Um, and uh, you know, it, it <sighs> there's there is a lot more. Stylistic, um, you know, like the guys like Eisner and Arcom and all those, you know, they, there definitely is a, a, um, how oh, do I want to put it, uh, a, a section of the comics industry as a whole and in independent comics where where that type of storytelling and those subject matters are huge if that answered your question
1: yeah it does and that's you know comics that I that's a form of comics that I haven't really uh, spent a lot of time in and I always feel kind of feel guilty about it you know my one mm-hmm. trip to the comic store with my kids every couple of months and I think you know I should buy some of that stuff and uh, and check <laughs> yeah. it out um, okay last question about comics uh, well actually two more questions uh, second last question if Somebody is listening to this, and they want to get into the comics business. How do you get mm-hmm. into the comics business? How did you end up in the comics business? Getting into the
0: comics business is the question that has no one answer. If you ask ten different people in the industry, they will give you ten different answers. Because um, you know to I've me, found it, it's it sounds,
1: it's like it's <laughs> like joining the circus yeah it's like it's actually a lot like that it it sounds like not a real job kind of thing you know oh yeah i'm in the comics business yeah sure you are (laughs) (laughs) i'm a
0: freelance artist oh you mean you're unemployed
1: (laughs) (laughs) is it the sort of thing that you can go and study i mean i know mark sparrasio talked about you know he was an illustrator before he got into Mm -hmm. comics um how did you get into the business
0: um, well, you know, I after reading comics for years, and I came up with the idea for this character. You know, and just as an artist, I had drawn little comics and things here and there. But um, getting actually into the business, when me and Marty came up with the idea of um, uh, uh, kind of feeling our way of how to get the idea of Gravy Boy out there, we had essentially we had decided after reading some advice from people and listening to different people talk about what what you know beginners should do. Is you know if you're getting into the industry, you need to show that you can tell a story, and and more than just as an artist, you need to be able to do more than just draw a big page of Superman busting through a wall, and you, you got to be able to study the technique of storytelling. Um, and, and you, know, you study some books by Will Eisner, like Sequential Art and Storytelling by Will Eisner. Um, Understanding um, uh, Comics, like we talked about, uh, by Scott McCloud, are two excellent places to start. Um, learning and placing more of an emphasis on storytelling because, you know, comics, is, are, comics are stories. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so, you know, just uh, make sure you know how to do your craft. And uh, as far as getting into the business, you know, the best thing to do if you want to make comics is make comics. Um, come, get a, if you're an artist, team up with a writer. If you're a writer, find an artist. If you're an artist, writer, stop playing Xbox. And go <laughs> draw something and uh, complete it. And um, the great thing about technology these days is that um, uh, anybody can make a comic. That which is also the bad thing about comics these days. But um, there are places online like when we we to print our comic. And it used to be that that would cost thousands of dollars, and you and you run the risk of never making it back. But there's been uh, div- there, there's been these uh. Print on demand um, sites. Uh, one is uh, we use is Kablam, that's K-A-Blam.com, um, where you upload your files, and they—excuse uh, <clears throat> me—I'm starting to lose my voice here. They—they um, they basically will one-off them for you. They'll set you up a little store, and you have a setup fee, of like maybe 10, 20 bucks. And then, um, as people order them, they'll just one-off them. And you, you know, maybe if a full color one may cost a dollar, dollar something, maybe two dollars. Um, so there's no excuse for someone not to just make a comic and show that you can create it from start to finish a finished product. Um, so if you want to get in and work for Marvel and DC, I mean, I would say, th- th- which, you know, admittedly I haven't done, but I, I've, I've, no, I have lots of friends in the industry, and they, they will. Uh, I'll tell you this: if you want to make comics, you need to show an editor that you can make a comic, and, and preferably more than one, because you know they're, it's a business, and they're trying to hire people that can finish their product. So you need to show a track record that you know. Hey, <clears throat> I have more than just these. Um, six preview pages, I have, you know, four issues that have completely been, you know, I've done start to finish and they're more likely to take you seri- seriously than. Um, not if those issues just absolutely suck and, you know, and you just publish crap, but um, just making sure that you, you, you...
1: Funny that you should pick four issues. Isn't Gravy Boy uh, four issues?
0: It is. <laughs> and four issues. And I say that because when we had four issues was the time when people at conventions... Uh, really started actually taking the, taking the chance on our book because it, at <clears throat> one or two issues is about the time people it's easy to give up. Sounds it's like a po- lot of work.
1: Sounds like podcasting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same same concept. So um, you know if you can get three out, when well, that's pretty good. But it just seems like, and I, I don't know what it is about having four issues on the table there people are like. Wow, a whole story. And is it usually you know typically a story arc, a larger story will take you know four or five issues, which you know will then you know is about up trade paperback size. And people want to say, "Wow, you can do a whole story arc, and you know I'm not taking a chance of getting invested in this character just to have you just crap out on me. So you know I, I would say, you know at least three, maybe you know three and up, finish some books, and even if you just one- off copies and say, "Hey, look, I did this, it's it's finished."
1: When you get to... Yeah, you know, I've had people start podcasts that last two episodes and then run out of ideas. When you, when you get mm-hmm. 200 under your belt, come and talk to me. Mind <laughs> 201. you, 201. Mind you, I ran out of ideas about 198 episodes ago. It's just, it's just <laughs> the same idea over and over again now. Uh, last question. Um, Superman, right? Um, Superman's uh-huh. been getting bigger over the years. So you go back and you look at <coughs> Superman number one, and, you know, he, he looked like, uh, you know, um, a strong man in a circus. He had, mm. had a hefty build. You look at him now in most of the comics, let's forget that shitty film that uh, came out recently, but you look at him in most of the comics now and he is built like a mutant. Like, he's just <laughs> bulging with muscle everywhere. Yeah. I want to know yeah. if it's the uh, earth's yellow sun that gives him his powers and his strength why why are, why do we ha- why does he have muscles like that shouldn't he just be a puny little weakling muscles grow as a result of you know uh, sh- of, of having to be stressed his muscles aren't getting stressed why do, why does he have muscles like that
0: because um muscles sell books i don't know um <laughs> You know, it's just the exaggerated anatomy that, you know, why, why are all the women double D? They can't do flips like that, um, or, or triple E or F. I mean, the anatomy does get a little bizarre at times. Um, uh, there are some artists out there that you can you can walk through and see their covers and be like, what? What is that? Um, you know, I, I, I've been in the comic book shop before where, you know, uh, somebody will be in there, I don't know if, if it's you know a girlfriend or something, she just looks at him and is like, have, have these guys ever seen girls? Uh, they don't, <laughs> <laughs> they don't look like this. Um, it's just you know over the years, it's just the the anatomy has become so much more exaggerated, which I partially understand because it's the stories are just you know fantasy dynamic stories, and you got to have these um, dynamic looking characters to to kind of portray them. But you know as the popular culture, you know the the thin is in and anorexic is in. And with comics, it's you know bigger and bulkier and more you know voluptuous is in and they they there's just two extremes that have grown out of just what you know for whatever reason has become popular
1: do me a favor, if you ever get to DC and you get given a Superman project, <clears throat> just draw him as this puny weakling. <laughs> it's when 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 the film the you know, Superman Returns film came out, I, I was bitching about the fact that Superman looked like such a puny weakling versus what he does <laughs> in the comics. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, Well actually, you know, they probably got it right. That's what he should look like. He should be puny because he doesn't need the the bass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I draw him, he's going to be a rail. Yeah, that's what he should be. That, and that's going to be more fun, I reckon. this You know, you're a bad guy. This puny-looking midget comes up to you, and you're like... But, you know, you can't take him out. Um, and, and just one last thing. I was thinking, you know, we were talking before at the beginning about the, the social stigma that comics have, and yet, you know, some of the biggest blockbusters of the last five uh, yeah. years are Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, the X-Men, the Hulk. Absolutely. Maybe not so much the Hulk. Um, well, yeah, let's pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. The superhero... So people have no issue going to the cinema to see a movie about a superhero, uh, but they won't, uh, you know, go to a shop and yeah, buy a book about one. It's, maybe it's just it's the
0: stigma that the book themselves have. Uh, you know, and, and comics have been growing in um, in popularity over the last, you know, six years or so. It's just, they're everywhere. They're in the media. You know, you've got Joe Quesada, the editor, editor-in-chief editor of... um. Marvel Comics showing up on uh, the Daily Show, um, <coughs> and uh, you know I've seen interviews with them in the you know newspaper, just on the front page of different sections, and like they really are getting a lot more media attention. Um, then, and, and, then and you know got guys like this.
1: Joss Whedon drawing comics, you've got Kevin Smith drawing comics and talking yeah. about comics.
0: Yeah, and you know a lot of people treat comics as a, the the stepping stone to the to movies, like a lot of artists or writers especially. The, I've got a, an idea for a movie. Uh, I'm going to storyboard it now by putting it into a comic, and then we'll have the whole thing done, and we can go make the movie. That's a great um, idea. So, you know, comics for a lot of people have just, have, you know, been a springboard into movies. Um, not true of everyone. Some people, a lot of, you know, artists and writers still love the comics for, for the, the the medium itself, but, you know, it just seems that there there have been a lot that have kind of treated it as a, a their own little opportunity to storyboard. So...
1: Well, mate, we've uh, kind of run out of time to get into free will. Oh. We'll have to do that on well, another show. Well, well, I'll come back. Yeah, you come back. It's been great having you on, mate. And uh, thanks again for taking us through the comics, the background of comics. Yeah, man. And I look forward to these 101 series, man. I tell you, I yeah, reckon. I too. That's awesome. The great thing about, I think, something like that, too, is they, you know, most podcasts are kind of news of the week. those sorts of shows uh, build and build and build because they're as relevant five years from now and in most cases as they will be today but there'll be you know a hundred million more people listening to podcasts five years ago uh, five years from now right right so they kind of they build over time those you know 101 series I think absolutely good on you Brian so uh, gravyboy.com comicreview.thepodcastnetwork.com any other URLs you want to plug out there mate
0: um everything can be uh reached through gravyboy.com everything else so uh, that'll 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 uh get people where they need to go Cheers, <laughs> mate. all right man